Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Today on the show, we have Steve Reed. Steve is a servant of the Most High King, He is a husband. He is a father. uh, He's a pastor. He's got a heart for evangelism and missions. And just, I I love, uh, just in the brief time that I've gotten to know him, I love his heart for the Lord and for people. So Steve, it's an honor to have you here today. Man, Matt, it is an honor to be here with you. I'm so excited and grateful like you. Just really, really thankful that we had a chance to have our paths cross. And I'm excited to develop our friendship and this relationship, and I'm looking forward to talking with you today. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, what's cool is uh, Steve and I met in Brazil on this trip with Global Awakening that I've just gotten back from. We both got back from, and, and we were both serving on this team, but there were about 120 people on this team. So Uh, I would see he and his wife serving throughout the week that we were there, but never really connected with them until we were sitting on the same row. Uh, They were across the aisle on a flight on the way back. And then we just kind of hit it off and, you know, followed each other around in the airport and got to hang out for a little while. Tell a little bit more about your experience there, how you ended up in Brazil and kind of what you and Candace saw there. Yeah, that trip was marking um, that was our first experience with Global Awakening, and we have been a part of the, it's called GSD, Global School of Discipleship, for the last two months now. And the interesting thing about Brazil is I actually was on a trip in Tanzania, East Africa, doing missions, preaching the gospel, and walking alongside some brothers of mine that live in Tanzania, some African friends. And we were having a conversation one morning just catching up. And Candace said to me, my wife, hey, I, I want to do this trip to Brazil. And I think it would be really great if we could do it together. And then she said, and and I signed us up. So we're that's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, uh, when I got back, began to put together the ministry training, team ministry training manual and reading through that and kind of how they uh, partner with you and I as you said, around 120 people. And so that was the beginnings of it. And as we got there, um, just being a part of a team of people that had a heart for people and the expectation that God was going to do something was so fantastic. An incredible move of God. Uh, We could tell stories probably for a few hours about how God touched people. But one in particular that was so impactful to me was a guy on the last night that came had had a neck surgery, had numbness in both of his arms, and he was weeping and he was just asking, could we pray for these issues? And so just began to thank God for who he was and prayed over him. And little by little, one arm started to get a little bit better. Then he was knocked down by the Holy Spirit. He comes back up off the floor and it's better. In fact, one side's gone of numbness. And then we began to pray, continue to pray, interceding with the Lord. And 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 he gets knocked down again. And <laughs> he comes back up and he's moving his head all over the place, crying. And all he could say is, thank you, Jesus, because his neck was 
healed. His arm numbness and pain was gone. And we just hugged and celebrated that moment. It was a beautiful experience. And that's one, as you know, many opportunities to pray with people. Praise God. There are so many testimonies and there, there's so many incredible things that God did. And, um, you know, the last episode that I just recorded was just all about testimonies and things that we saw in Brazil. And I've done that, you know, this was my third trip. And so each time I'm like, I've just got to document this. I've got to record this. I've got to give God glory for all of the Amen. things that he's done. You know, we're just a small piece, but you know, he partners with people. He wants to partner with every single person out there. And when we realize that and we pray with expectation that God is going to do what God says he does, because he's never stopped being the God of the Bible, power thing, powerful things happen. And so that's that's really exciting. Um, you know, what would you say about uh, just the level of hunger that you see there, not only hunger, but also a desperation uh, for the Lord there versus, uh, you know, may, maybe what we see here in uh, the United States of America? Another great question. <laughs> and I think the as I mentioned, there is in Brazil and actually in Africa too, where I travel there regularly as well, there is an expectation and an anticipation that when we meet, when the family of God is together in prayer, in worship, in, in uh, uncovering the truths of the word of God, there is an expectation that God is there and he's going to do something. And I think oftentimes we in the Western mindset have, I don't know if it's just, we're busy, everybody's busy all over the world, but for some reason, there's a little less of that expectation and anticipation that I've come to meet with God and he can meet my needs at that moment. Um, and I think in Brazil, there was the fact that we would do those healing rooms, uh, prayer times about what, an hour and a half, roughly, mm -hmm. there would be a line of 50 people out the door at any one time. And they weren't coming because you and I were so special. They were coming because we were going to partner. And the word is clear, two or three gathered together, the Lord's with us in our midst. And obviously there was way more than two or three there. Um, so I think there is that, that, that the hunger in that part, different parts of the world. The interesting thing is though, I, I have, as, as the world is right now, uh, we're seeing growth in our church, hunger in our church, salvations in our church. Last month we did baptism. There was 20 baptisms in our church, which is the most we have done in the time that I've been there since 2015 at one time. That's exciting. And so it's pretty exciting. Um, I, I am seeing God do great things and, and he, he is the King and he is the ruler. <laughs> and we, like you said, we partner, we, we walk alongside him and nothing but good stuff can happen. Amen. And I just, I, I think that, um, there is a lot of craziness going on in the world right now. There's no doubt. You know, we've got war in Israel. Uh, you know, we've got war in Ukraine. We've got uh, potential U.S. involvement in uh, both of those situations. We've been involved with one, but we're, you know, trying to figure out how we're going to get involved. To me, there's no greater time to be alive. If you're a follower of Jesus, now, I'm not dismissing 
what those people are going through, like it's, it's extremely awful. It's, it's yeah. brutal. It It is evil. It is pure mm-hmm. evil. Um, but heaven and hell are real. Like yes. God is real. The devil's real. Uh, you're, you're seeing an advancement of evil uh, when you're, you're having children being butchered and taken hostage, that that's demonic. And yeah. so, you know, to me, it's an invitation for the body of Christ to stand up and say, we're not going to tolerate this kind of evil. Not only uh, are we going to pray against these things, but we also want to partner with God Almighty to intercede uh, in the heavenly realm. Because like, if we don't pray against these things, if we don't stand up for what we believe in, uh, I mean, this evil will continue to spread throughout the globe. And so I just, I think that there is an opportunity uh, for people to really figure out what they believe and and truly choose a side. Am I going to partner with God or am I going to say that evil's okay? And, and it is a spiritual battle, but I think it is a time for people to, you know, really uh, to step into things that maybe they've been on the fence. Maybe, uh, maybe this isn't good. Maybe it's time for me to to develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe it's time for me to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit and and really step out and be who He's calling me to be. Because there is a hurting and broken world that's all around us. You know, it's not just over there. It's right here in the United States of America. And you're in Arizona. I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. It doesn't matter how many religious people you got walking around. We need Holy Spirit activated followers of Jesus that are recognizing that they play a role in Christ's return, which could be any day now. So uh, with that as the backdrop, I mean, um, what are you guys doing to engage your community? I know you said you had something today going on at, at a school there. Tell me about that. Yeah, you know, I just just to backstep just a minute. I think what you're talking about, this is a a God versus evil issue. And it's I mean, it is good, but it's a good God versus evil. And and as you've said, scripture is is filled with prophetic words speaking of days like these. And so we 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 are excited about that like you said, what a time to be alive to see some of the prophetic words come to life right in front of us. And, and so, yeah, our, our, what, what's happening today, we, we facilitate a, a student led club at our local public high school. It's called youth alive. And we're getting close to 15% of the school um, over 200 students to hear some scripture typically every week we uh, reach out to them with pizza. We, they call it Jesus pizza. And, and they, they get to pray in the school for each other. They get to lift up the name of Jesus. They get to read the scripture. Sometimes it'll be a, a student sharing a testimony. Sometimes it'll be a, their favorite Bible verse or passage or story. And um, I would probably say that close to half the students that come have no connection to the church and probably don't have much connection to Jesus. They know of him because of it, but God is doing great things there. And the foundation of that, the second piece of the public school project that we're involved in is there's a group of senior adults that pray on campus every week. And that happens on Tuesdays. So the club meets on Thursdays 
And that's about four to five different churches that come together that have the foundational truth that Jesus is the Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life, as John 14, 6 talks about. And no one comes to the Father except through him. So that has been going on. This is the eighth year of that prayer team. And I believe wholeheartedly that the success of our Youth Alive Club is deeply related to the fact that we're interceding uh, with, with a group of people that have the same goal. We want to see kids saved. We want to see kids set free. And as they deal with darkness and demonic and the the identity crisis that's going on in our country and, and around the world and the truth of who they are in Jesus. So it's a powerful uh, opportunity every week that we get to partner with them and that school and the administration of the school is grateful for what's happening. And so it's really an exciting time. So that's one way uh, like today that we're involved um, with ministering purposely with people. And I, I have an opportunity on uh, about every other week to meet with a local recovery group here in town and disciple um, some young men and women in that. And uh, that's been going on for about five, almost six years now. Um, I don't have an addiction history myself, but I do have a love of people history and mm -hmm. serving people. And so it, it was a beautiful chance, just prayed into it, you know, God, there's broken people in my city. And this area has a lot of that. And I, how, how are we as a church, how am I as a believer of Jesus making any impact in that world? They're coming to our front door in our community. And what are we doing? Mm -hmm. If Jesus was here, um, <laughs> what would, who would he see? If Jesus came to Birmingham, who who are the people he's going to go see mm -hmm. and speak with? Um, I would say it's most likely going to be just as he did in the days of the scripture. Mm -hmm. Why does your leader hang out with sinners and tax collectors? <laughs> it's not easy. It's messy. But the, the fruit is is there. And as we know, there's a lot of fruit and the harvesters are not quite as many. <laughs> so, yeah. so we, we try to, we try to make those intentional steps into people's lives. And um, it's just since Brazil, you can't really think the same when you walk by people. I was encouraged by you, Matt, when we were, when we were at the airport in Sao Paulo, uh, I just remember we're going almost to the, um, to the security checkpoint. Mm -hmm. And there was a lady that had the thing around her head, sitting in a wheelchair and the Lord stopped you. And I was so just in awe that you just stepped forward with the Portuguese that you knew. And you began to <laughs> you began to touch that lady uh, with the love of Jesus, with the Holy Spirit as he led you. And, and that's that's how we're to walk, even in America, of course. There, there's people just like that here. Um, and so if we open our eyes and allow the Holy Spirit who's always speaking to come into our ear. Um, I think he wants to partner with us and he wants us to do what he's asking us to do. And sometimes I love how global awakening defines faith. And that is risk. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a really beautiful, simple 
thing that I remember. And I was just discipling a young guy last night. Um, I meet with a number of different people throughout the week, one-on-one breakfasts and dinners and different things. And, and, and that's what it came down to is identity. Mm -hmm. He's, he's three years sober and he's trying to figure out his next move. And um, he's made some tough decisions and and I don't, I don't shame him for that, but, but boy, how easy it is for us to lose who we are. Even believers in Jesus, who are you? I'm a child of the King. He is my Lord and savior. Mm -hmm. And really that should be something to be celebrated every moment, no matter what people bring against us. So that's some of the pieces of the puzzle of, for us, and even my wife, since she's been back with another gal who lives in our town, who you, we talked a little bit about, pretty remarkable. There was four people from our small area in Brazil, and two of them we had met. And um, and so they've been doing some outreach uh, at our local uh, kind of courthouse square park and being able, they've led a few people to Jesus, just praying with people. And we glorify God for what he's doing. And we're grateful for that time there. That stirred within our heart. Hey, there's work to be done. Yes. Stay tuned. We'll have more Living Life on Purpose after we hear from one of our sponsors. Are you a business person that's hungry for more of the Holy Spirit at work? Partnering with God is what you were designed for. Experiencing God at work and being a blessing to the city that you live in is accessible to every believer. Hearing from God for your business and city shouldn't feel mysterious or inaccessible. Heaven and Business exists to give you access to the tools and training you need to equip you to grow with God in business and influence. Begin with our free trial and an online membership, then explore the events, community, and other resources. Check out heavenandbusiness.com today if this is what you're looking for, and I promise you won't be disappointed. And now, back to Living Life on Purpose with your host, Matt Wilson. You know, so much good stuff that you mentioned there. You know, the woman in the airport, you know, I just, I saw her and she had a bandage wrapped around her face and I didn't know what was going on with her, but I just, I put my hand on her shoulder and just said, Seja Corrado in the nome de Jesus, Dor Sayagora in the nome de Jesus. And she grabbed my hand and she said, Amen. You know, be healed in Jesus name, pain go in Jesus name. And when she looked at me, like in an instant, she just had tears running down her face. Like, I don't know what was going on with her. Right. I don't know what her pain was, but I just saw her in, you know, Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the hurting and the broken. And, and it didn't take a whole lot for him to heal people. Like he just said, be healed. And it was already Jesus. So he didn't have to say in Jesus name, but um, you know, so that's like now, in Birmingham, you know, I tried to pray for this woman in a wheelchair and she stopped me. Please don't, um, you know, so a little bit different here, but, but at the same time, you know, we've got to have eyes to see and ears to hear people have to be receptive, but, you know, I, I do think you mentioned identity. There is a war for identity and every single person, there is a war in people's identities and, you know, he's starting with the infants. So like if he can wipe the child out before that child's even born, then 
He'd love to do that. And there are a lot of people that think that's a great idea. Absolutely. We ought to. Uh, this was a mistake. This happened by accident. Uh, this is a result of bad decisions or, um, you know, that there was some sort of traumatic event. So we're just going to eliminate that child before it's even born. That's the first way that he eliminates their identity. If, if they don't even have to come on the earth, then right. he's already won that battle. But then once they are born, if he can start to uh, bring in confusion at an early age, that's why we're seeing indoctrination of children in kindergarten, in you know elementary schools, middle schools. It's to form these narratives in their mind to distort who God says they are versus what the world says they are. The more confusion there is, the better, because he can get them off track from the word of God, which is true. It is the only truth. The word of God is the truth. Amen. And if we get away from that, if it's opposite of that, it's not true. You know, you could say it's your truth all day long. It's not true. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's where he tries to further uh, confuse and, and try to steal that identity. But, you know, a lot of times there's trauma that comes in. We saw that a lot in Brazil. You know, so something happens when somebody's young and you know, spirits attached to that trauma, or it takes them off course. And then they start getting into substance abuse. They start getting into bad decisions. They start hanging out with the wrong crowd. And again, it's more theft of that identity. If the devil can get people on the wrong path and pursuing the wrong things, then he can steal that seed that is already, de it was deposited to them before they were even formed in their mother's womb. God had that identity before they were even formed in their mother's womb. And from that standpoint, you know, it's a spiritual battle from the second that they're conceived for the rest of their lives. Every single one of us deal with those things and how we navigate those can be completely different. I was never addicted to alcohol uh, by my standards, but by other people's standards, I was probably addicted to alcohol. Mm -hmm. You know, alcohol consumed me. Uh, I wasn't going to a social function, you know, if there wasn't alcohol, like, what was the point of that? Because I'd been lied to so much that that's the only way that you could have fun. That's who I became, you know, in college. And, you know, it was very hard to overcome that. But Jesus set me free Amen. in 2016 with a 21 day fast. I broke the chains. The Holy Spirit broke the chains. Uh, I just did not partake for 21 days. And over that 21 days, God showed me that I don't need that in my life in order to have a good time. So, you know, all of the things that you mentioned, uh, they're extremely important. The Lord is looking for people who are hurting and broken to come to him. And then he's looking for people that have gotten outside of those things, or maybe never even walked through that path, but to, to come and just offer them a hand and say, Hey, Come, follow me. Let me lead you to Jesus. He's got the answers. I do not. Uh, mm. But, you know, it's not that we've got everything figured out, but, you know, we're a couple steps ahead of somebody and we can help continue to lead and guide them because we love them, because we love him. And we just know that, you know, he's done great things in our life and we want other people to experience that. So I think that I, it's extremely important. Mm. And, um, you know, and I think that there are so many people that, um, you know, look, there are a lot of religious people that hurt a lot of people. You know, they look through the eyes of judgment or condemnation. Well, I've never done that. I never would do that. 
uh, well, like, I'll just tell you that I've made as many bad decisions as anybody, if not more so. Uh, I'm not proud of that, but I'm also thankful that I can, you know, come back and say, hey, I'm not judging you because it's only by grace that I'm saved. It's only by grace that any of us are saved. So I think that that's extremely important. The fact that you guys are starting with those young people and, you know, trying to lay that firm foundation, but even beyond that, it doesn't stop at the young people. You're you're going into people that got off track and you're trying to lead them back to the only savior, which is Jesus Christ. You know, trying to help. As as you're saying that the two things, the level of deception and the amount of lies that we believe, we speak into our own lives. I built Pastor Bill Johnson in that when he was speaking, one of the things that stuck out to me, and I was, I've been, I've shared it a few times actually, because I thought it was so profound that when we begin to believe the lie, the lies that I've spoken about myself, other people may have spoken into me, effectually, we are coming into agreement and, and under the authority of the liar. And so the words that are coming towards me and you, as we begin to, oh, yeah, you know, you hear it enough, it must be the truth, even though in our spirit, we know that it's not true. We're coming into an agreement with the liar. He's the father of lies. Mm-hmm. And, and so that is a challenge that I don't care how much the, the mission statement of our church is hope and direction for life's journey. Because everybody's on the journey at some point. Some people are day one. Some people are one day before they meet Jesus. And so it's a huge gamut. And and that yet even the first day people in the 5,000th day people or whatever the day is have that same wrestling deceptive deception can come towards us. And we have to filter that through the Holy Spirit, through the truth of the scripture you know, as I was just reading in Psalm 35, we were talking as we before we started talking, 35, 27, and 28. Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, Great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. <laughs> it's a profound yes. David. That's a Psalm of David. And we know his story well, just from having the scripture. So what a beautiful perspective um, and an awareness for each of us to say, where am I being deceived? What are the words that I'm believing that aren't true? And Holy Spirit, check me. If I'm beginning to say something to somebody like that, stop my mouth from saying it. I don't want to be you know, that you can't have blessings and curses. You can't have fresh and salt coming from the same mouth. It doesn't work. <laughs> and so it's a powerful um, charge for each of us to watch what we say, um, watch what comes into our eyes, what comes into our ears. Uh, people wonder, I think, that I talk to, why, you know, why is things not? Well, you want the blessings of the Lord. We all want his blessings. But you live in outside his boundaries. How in the world does that work? You can't expect to be blessed if you're outside of his boundaries. The Lord puts guardrails in our life for a purpose. What are guardrails for on the road? If you go around a corner and you hit the guardrail, if the guardrail wasn't there, you're off a cliff. Thank yeah. God for guardrails. <laughs> and yeah. and and as I journeyed with people 
I, I, I've always thought so beautifully, the Lord gave me this description uh, a number of years ago about a road and guardrails. And when we're new in the faith, when we're, when we're walking, just beginning the walk, it's as if we're on the yellow, the middle line, and we're gonna de we're gonna derail, we're gonna bang into the guardrail. You have the entire lane to try to get yourself back to the middle again. As we build and develop more spiritual muscles and strength, and God speaks to us and we hear more clearly, we see more clearly, the road gets wider and wider. And pretty soon you've got basically the whole road, maybe just the white line on the edge. You still might bang into the guardrail, but you're immediately back into that sweet spot because you have this foundation of the truth of the scripture. You have a prayer life. You, you have worship that's ingrained into you and you have mentors. You have peers that parallel you and begin to speak into you and say, hey, brother, I see you're kind of stumbling a little bit. Let me help you. So the road is really wide. Same road. It just it goes from this real narrow kind of sweet spot to a big wide sweet spot. And it was something that the Lord had brought to me a number of years ago. And I thought it was so, it's just a concrete example of how the journey that we're on is in fact a journey. And it has winds and twists and ups and downs and all that stuff. But it's a road that we're walking along, we're driving along. And he puts these boundaries in place to say, hey, stay here. Don't go over there. And, and people say, well, religion or Jesus is a bunch of no's. No, man, it's a bunch of yeses. <laughs> but be with me. And, and just as this talks about, he wants your best. He wants you to be in, in, in as it says, delights in the welfare of, a of his servant. That's a beautiful thing to have. A God who delights in me, who loves me. From Brazil, the thing that Leif Hetland talked about, just this baptism of love. Man, that struck me. It was so beautiful. I've walked with Jesus uh, for 42 years. And to hear that again, God loves you. He knows me. That is a beautiful reminder. Yeah, it's so good. And um, Leif is actually uh, coming on again. He's been on the show before and he's coming on again. Uh, we'll we'll sit down with him next week. But yeah, that just the overwhelming love of the Father when we know that that the king of the universe, the king who created everything, knows us and loves us. He's for us, never against us. It, it's so important. And, and then also, like, because he loves us, he set up these things to keep us on that path. You know, it's not because he doesn't want us to have fun, uh, but it's because he wants to protect us and because he wants you know the best for us. And, you know, it's interesting. I saw a statistic this morning. You know, young people have been bombarded with sex and they've been bombarded with, you know, impurity and all of these things. And I think it was around 40 percent of uh, the younger generation that was surveyed. They said that they wanted less sexual, um, you know, innuendo and, and they wanted less of those scenes in entertainment. They want less of that. Uh, you know, that they, they would rather have stuff uh, where there's plutonic relationships, where there is just friendships versus being constantly bombard, uh, bombarded with stuff that's impure. And to me, um, you know, I don't know if they realize that or not, but it's because 
Like the Holy Spirit is inside them. The the purity of the Lord is inside them, whether they realize it or not. So they're they're internally opposing these things that are, even though they're being forced on them, they're like, "I, I don't want this. Like once you've continually been told that this is what you're supposed to have, it ought to be like, hey, this is great. But instead they're saying, no, I, this isn't, there's something about this that isn't right. And so it's that God-shaped hole, that that hole in our heart mm-hmm. that can only be filled with Jesus. Everybody has a longing to be in relationship with him, whether they realize it or not, because he designed us that way. And everybody's got a God, whether it's you know God Almighty, uh, Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, or it's their money, it's their children, it's their spouse, it's you know their career. Uh, everybody's serving something, you know, whether they acknowledge that or not. Uh, it's still true. So mm-hmm. I think that's really important. You've been walking with the Lord. You said forty-two years. How long have you been a pastor? And how did you uh, how did you get into that? Yeah, it's an interesting story as well. Um, I kind of, I've always been serving. I've always had um, ministry as our kids were growing up. We have three kids, three, 23, 22, and 21. Um, and and the, the journey into more quote unquote <laughs> formal ministry really started in about 2011 through an accident. I was, I was doing my, my life work history was I was a physical therapist for a long time. I was involved in real estate and investing simultaneously. And I was working on a property and I fell off. I slid down the roof, fell off the roof and, and shattered my right heel. Mm. December 2nd, 2011. Mm. And from that point on, uh, we had we had actually committed to be extravagantly giving the following year. And my mm. income went down to nothing. And, and so we stayed faithful to the Lord in that commitment and and through that series of times, four months, I couldn't put weight on my foot. Mm. And I was reading uh, books. And in fact, uh, David Platt, who's in was in Birmingham. I don't know mm. if he still is or not, but mm. um, he wrote a book called Radical. Mm. And one of the points of that book was do something out of your regular context. And so as a family, we had friends that were missionary church planners in India. And so we took our whole family to India for a couple of weeks and experienced what God was doing there in beautiful ways. And our kids were uh, around 12, 13, 10, 12, 13, something like that. And it was so beautiful to see what was happening around the world. And from that point, a friend of mine who uh, I knew his mother was a patient of mine as a PT. He was in in Africa. He invited me to come. So we went and did that. He's doing pastoral ministry training and and i realized wait a minute the giftings that i have of connecting people of loving people serving people could be used in a different way and so god opened the door to our current church i came in 2015 the senior pastor of that church led me to the lord 42 years ago in the state of washington wow. and he's now here in arizona and he was the one who encouraged me he said hey it's an Assemblies of God church. He said, "You, we have an online program called Berean School of the Bible. And so I, he said, you know, you, you don't have to do it, but I think it would be a blessing and it would open doors. And so for the next five years or so, four years, I studied through those courses 
and worked my way through the credentialing process. And, and now, uh, you know, I, I say it all the time. If you would have asked me one day before that injury that I fell and broke my foot, that I would be talking to you or going to Brazil or going to Africa or India or preaching a message in front of our congregation, I would have said, no, that's, that's not even on my radar. I, I, I can't imagine that. I, I used to not be able to talk to anybody. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I was, I'd be just choked up and it just, it was hard for me to communicate. And so mm -hmm. that, that step-by-step -step process, the validation probably more than anything of that moment, December 2nd, 2011, fast forward to December 2nd, 2012, I am standing in a dirt floor church outside of Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, in a little village called Madali, a friend of mine named Daniel Akongo's church. And I'm telling the testimony to the people that are there of how I got there and how God ordained and guided and directed my whole life to that very moment where the same day, exactly one year later, December 2nd, 2012, I'm telling the story of how God brought me there. You can't put that together except the Lord. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. That's powerful testimony. Uh, so first of all, God can work all things to the good for those who are, uh, who love him and are called according to his purpose. Uh, but also, um, you know, just be obedient to what the Lord is prompting you to do. Sometimes it may sound crazy. It may look crazy. Uh, but also like in an only God thing, uh, we've got listeners in Tanzania. I don't know who they are. I've never, I, well, I'll take that back. I've met one person from Tanzania in Washington, mm -hmm. D.C., and uh, he wasn't one of the listeners. But, um, you know, so maybe there's somebody that's out there that's going to hear this and like, oh, maybe I've heard, uh, you know, maybe you've spoken to them in person. Who knows? Um, you know, God is an incredible uh, God of relationship. And mm -hmm. so I'm just, I'm excited to see what he's doing in your life, uh, through your family, through your ministry. I appreciate you sharing with us today. Uh, unfortunately, we run out of time. How can people find more about you or more about the church? Uh, anything you want to share with us? Uh, yeah, the, our church is called Prescott, Prescott Life Church. Mm -hmm. For here, uh, local people, it's Prescott. But PrescottLifeChurch.org is their website. You can find us on Instagram, and uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, Matt probably has my credit, you know, my sign in on Instagram. So that is an, another way that you can, you know, direct message me or whatever. And um, and I just am so grateful for our friendship, the beginnings of what it is. Um, I'm I'm thankful to know I have a brother in the Lord in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, and that has a heart and passion for who Jesus is. And desires to see his family know him well, others people to know him well, and to share the the spreading of the gospel and the love of Jesus and his servant's heart. So I'm I'm thankful for that. But yeah, those are probably the simplest ways to catch up with me. And you know, who knows what God's got in store. Uh, I just last thing, prophetic guy a number of years ago was going through a challenge, uh, challenging time, and and he just prophesied and he said, brother. I don't really know you, but I feel like you're going to share the good news. You're going to be about his work to a long distance from where you're at and faster than you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And so I just have claimed that over my life, I've declared it into my life. I've held on to those things. 
and be encouraged to your listeners that God is a God of miracles. He is somebody who's reaching for, for willing souls, willing servants to be used by him for his kingdom's glory and his purpose. And we honor him. We bless him. Uh, we, we can't say it. We just worship Jesus. We worship the Lord all the time and he does good things. Amen. Amen. So good. Uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation today. Uh, I'm thankful for this new friendship as well. Excited to see what God does with all of that. I know that this was encouraging to you listeners. Uh, so please follow us on Facebook, Living Life on Purpose, Instagram, Living Life on Purpose. Always, we appreciate you listening and we will be back in two weeks.